Well, we're in a series entitled Improving Your Serve. And today, well, let me, let me back up just a little bit. So we began with talking about improving our serve. The, the subtitle is The Art of Selflessness. I'm sorry, Unselfish Living. The Art of Unselfish Living. And what we began with talking about, in order for us to really be able to serve in the body of Christ effectively, the first thing is we have to learn how to be others-minded. And that's not like a real natural thing, is it? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty selfish. I can be. Um, if there's one more, an, enough ice cream for one more bowl, um, I might be tempted to try to just sneak off with it. And then when someone else asks, tell them there's not any more. We, we learn that in our world. Uh, we, we don't even really have to learn it. All you got to do is hang around some two-year-olds. Um, it, it's, it just kind of comes naturally. So in, in order for us to really to, to, to improve the way that we serve, we have to be others-minded, not ourself-minded. And so we talked about three things in there. One, you are not here for you. I know, so I, I heard a gasp. Someone just went, ah. no, I'm kidding. You're not here for you. The second thing is, you don't belong to you. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, a follower of Jesus, then, then you, have, you have been bought with a price. You've been redeemed, if you want to use the Bible word. You've been redeemed, you've been bought with a price, and you don't belong to you anymore. You belong to the Lord. Now, boy, if, if you're one of these really independent kind of people, that's kind of hard, isn't it? To kind of just think, I don't belong to me anymore. I'm not here for me, and I don't belong to me. Well, if that's not enough, the, the third one will get you. You don't serve you. You are here to serve, but you're not here to serve you. I know, that gets real fun. That's all right. That was the first thing we talked about, to be others-minded. We need to remember those three things. Secondly, in order to improve the way that we serve, we have to be ministry-focused, others-minded, ministry-focused. And that means that we need to, to learn that we are here to serve, we are here, and, and we need to, to really orient ourselves to, to, to focus on the fact that we need to be ministering. Now, that gets hard because ministry is messy. It's not real convenient, and it usually costs us something. And to think that, that we have to be ministry-focused is kind of hard for us. But in the body of Christ, in the church, there's three things that we see that ministry does First of all, ministry, uni I'm sorry, ministry edifies us. It builds us up. That when we serve together in the body of Christ, that, that it builds us up. It encourages us. It makes us stronger. Secondly, it unifies us. So it makes us of one heart and one mind. And we see this. All you need to do is, is go on a mission trip with a group of people. And, and you are unified when you come back. And in fact, one of the things that we probably ought to do in the debrief when we're coming back from mission trip is, is remind each other we need to keep our, our inside jokes to a minimum unless it's just us hanging around because it really makes other people feel left out. But ministry unifies us. We, we get on the same page. We're serving together. We're going in the same direction. And then finally, ministry solidifies us. That was the best way I could make that fit with the edifies and unifies, but it helps us to grow up in our faith in Christ. It helps us to be solid in who we are in Jesus and solid in what we believe. So others-minded, ministry-focused, today I want us to talk about being 
gospel-oriented. Now, that's a weird way to say it. Gospel-oriented. And, and what I mean by that is, is that our lives are oriented around the gospel. And, and I know if you're like me, I didn't grow up in church. I, I started, uh, I met the Lord when I was 15 and started going to church then. So I didn't have the early little, although it didn't take me long to figure out that Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. Uh, I learned actually from the pastor of the church that I came from uh, another song, Be Careful Little Eyes What You See. Be careful little, y'all ever heard that one? For the Father up above is looking down in love. Be careful little eyes what you see. The one that got me was be careful little hands what you do. <laughs> so, so at 15, I, I came to faith in Christ and, and I heard about the gospel. Now, they didn't, I didn't hear about the gospel before I came to faith in Christ. I just knew that I was a sinner. It didn't take any convincing for me and that Jesus paid for my sin. He made a way for me to have a relationship with God. But afterwards, I heard the gospel and share the gospel. And I thought, like many of you may think, that the gospel was simply a way for someone to come to faith in Christ. And some of you going, you mean that that's not all? It's not. You see, gospel-oriented isn't only telling others that they can have a relationship with Christ. It means that we orient our life around the gospel. And really, if you want the gospel in a nutshell, if you want to boil it down to its essential form, the gospel is this. Jesus came to save you from your sin. So look with me, if you would, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. That's where we are. I should have told you that while I was making the introduction. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul writes this, uh, beginning in verse 1. When I came to you, brethren... I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now the word gospel means good news. We, we know that. You probably have heard that before. And, and this is odd the way that Paul says this. Because what Paul is saying is I have some good news for you. Jesus Christ was crucified. Didn't hear a hallelujah there. That, that doesn't sound like good news, does it? That Jesus died on the cross. Well, now we know that that's not all of it, that he was buried, and three days later he rose again. But the resurrection is simply to prove that everything he said was true, that he is who he says he is, and he came to do what he said he came to do. When Paul talks here about that I came and, and I determined to preach nothing among you except Christ crucified, what he's really talking about is the essential of the gospel, which is that Jesus came to save you from your sin. And, and we hear that a lot. If you're in church much, you, you, you hear that quite a bit. And, and, and really, there's two parts of that that, that I want us to, to really get a hold of today. Um, this is still part of the introduction. Uh, two parts of that that I want us to get a hold of today. When I talk about that Jesus came to save you from your sin, first of all, he came to save you from the penalty of your sin. That is the punishment, um, the wrath of God for your sin. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, one of the things that happened there was that the one who knew no sin, Jesus had never sinned, became our sin. Now, I can say that, and, and I can... I can understand that but i can't fully comprehend what that means 
But your sin and my sin was laid upon Jesus when he was on the cross. Now we would think that would be enough, but it's not. Because there still had to be payment for sin. And so Christ taking our sin upon himself took the punishment, the wrath of God for our sin. And and that's the only way we can be forgiven. We use that word a whole lot. It really uh, has to do with an accounting term that you owe a debt and someone else paid your debt and you are debt free. You don't owe that anymore. Debt free in this world. That's maybe I should find a new illustration. Another way scripture puts it is that the, the, your debt of sin was canceled. It's no more. So when we talk about that Christ was crucified for us, that he came to save us for, from our sin, what we're talking about, first of all, is he came to save us from the penalty of sin. Now, that's what we think about usually. And, and that's the only way that we can... We can go to be with God after this life is without sin. And that's the only way we can be without sin. But that's not all that Christ came to do on the cross. When, when Paul's talking about that he was crucified on the cross, not only is he talking about that he paid the penalty of our sin, but we are freed from the power of sin. So we don't have to, when we die, uh, in, in Hebrews it says it's appointed a man once to die and then the judgment. So we won't be judged for our sin, those who are in Christ, because Jesus was for us. He paid that penalty, right? But that's not all. In this life, we are free from the power of sin. And some of you are like, I don't feel so free from the power of sin sometimes. That's where we go back to 1 John 1, 9. And if we sin, we have an advocate It says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But here's the difference. Before you were in Christ, you couldn't help but sin. And some of you are like, well, I didn't sin 24-7. Well, a lot of us came real close. You were powerless against your sin without Christ. With Christ, we don't have to sin. We're not taught that a whole lot. You don't have to. We do. We don't have to. We're free from the power of sin. Let me give you three things to remember when we're talking about being gospel-oriented. Three things that will help us to remember that in our lives because it's not a, a, a one-time thing when we come to faith in Christ. That's not all that there is to the gospel because the gospel carries through this life in Christ now. One Remember what he has saved you from. How many of you have have been a Christian for 20 years or more? I know, huh? Uh, How many of you have trouble remembering what you had for lunch last week? We forget things, don't we? And, And unfortunately, this is one of those things we forget. We forget. I, I've been a Christian for 1982, 35 this year will be 36 years. I was three. No, I'm kidding. Fifteen. Some of you are like, you can't, you won't know how old I am, but other people are figuring that out. We forget. I've been a Christian far longer than I haven't. 
And, and we forget what it was, what life without Christ was like. Here's what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. It, it, it was a, that's going to bother me. It was a lifeless life. You were dead. It, it wasn't even really life before Christ. And then he says, in which you formerly walked, according to the course of this world, we were just going along with the world. According to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too, all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the rest. Here's what he's saying. Before, we were driven by our impulses, our sinful impulses. When we see lust, we always think of sexual kind of lust, but that's not all it involves there. You can lust after a whole bunch of things. We are driven by the desires of our flesh. And, and he talks about here not just the desires of our flesh, but the desires of our mind. What he's saying is we were separated, we were hopeless, we were lifeless. And sometimes it's good for us just to, just to sit and, and just try to remember what that was like. I remember... So drastic was the change in me that, that people, people commented. Not that I'm some super guy now or even was right then, but I was a stinker before is the best way I can put it. And, and the change was so drastic that people commented on all the time. And I remember distinctly as a 15-year-old kid saying, no, you don't understand. You see, before that wasn't even really me. This is me. So, so I understand that you guys see a change on the outside, but what I see on the inside is this: I'm alive now. I wasn't even alive then. This is who I really am. I just couldn't really be who I am before Christ. Remember what he saved you from. Don't forget that without him, you were, you were dead. You were lifeless. You were hopeless. Now you're alive, and now we have the hope that comes in Christ. Second is this, remember what he saved you for. So Remember what he saved you from, but remember what he saved you for. Ephesians 2.10, we read this, uh, I think, the, the first week as we began this series. Um, Ephesians 2.8.9, we know, for by grace you're saved through faith, and that not of yourself, so that no one can boast. It's a gift of God. And Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. Remember that we weren't just saved for us. Remember, you're not here for you. That we were saved to serve. And, 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 and this isn't about us anymore. And, and if we want to be gospel-oriented, then we have to remember that. We have to remind ourselves of that, that I am saved for a purpose, and it's not me. <laughs> Is my life better in Christ? Absolutely. Do I have joy and peace in Christ? Absolutely, thank God. 
Am I happier, even though happiness, I wasn't really happy yesterday, um, uh, happiness comes and goes, but generally, am I happier in Christ? Absolutely. Is my life fulfilled in Christ? Absolutely. But guess what? That's not why he saved me. That's not why he saved you. Remember what he saved you for. He says, (coughs) you are to be my witnesses. Not only in Jerusalem where you are now, Judea, the areas around, Samaria, and, and to the ends of the world, that you are to be my witnesses. That's what he saved us for. Of all the purposes of the church, do you know there's only one we won't be able to do in heaven? Do you know that? We can worship in heaven, and this will blow some of your minds. We can do discipleship in heaven. Some of you are like, I thought I was going to know everything when I got there. No, only God knows everything. We'll get to know more, and we'll, we'll understand clearly, but we won't know everything when we get there. We can fellowship in heaven. Woo! You ever hear that banquet feast? Because fellowship is spelled F-O-O-D. All, yeah. I'm getting hungry right now. All the things, the functions of the church we can do here except share the gospel with people. Because you see, the ones there are the ones who are in Christ. And, and so he, he left us here so that we can spread the gospel. We can share the good news and live it out ourselves. And then finally, remember what he's called you to, and it's this. He's called us to be about making disciples. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, most of you have it memorized. Jesus came and he said, all authority in, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We skip over that, by the way. That's, a, that's an amazing study if you pair that with Colossians chapter 1. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus says. I am the man. <laughs> Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do everything that I've commanded you. You see, if we want to improve the way that we serve, we need to be gospel-oriented. And it's not only so that people can come to faith in Christ. We, we kind of we get the idea here that we're to go and, and, and evangelize, and people come to faith in Christ, and we're like, whoop, you're on your own. That's a whole lot like having a baby and saying, whoof, Man, that parenting thing was hard, wasn't it? <laughs> Most of us know that when God told Eve her pain would be multiplied in childbirth, that, that having a kid was just the beginning. <laughs> the pain goes all your life. Because we live in a broken world, children are a blessing. But remember what you're called to called to to share the gospel to make disciples and and really that ought to be the thing around which we orient our lives and and for those of us who've been walking with the lord and for some of us walking with the lord for a long time do you know you need to still hear the gospel 
Jesus saves you from your sin. And some of us are like, man, I'm glad he's not, I'm glad he doesn't think he's done because I don't think he's done. That he still redeems and he still renews. And thank God I'm not the same person I was 35 years ago, but you know what? I'm not the same person I was last year. I'm not even the same person I was last month, thankfully. Because the gospel is still at work in my heart. And he's still saving me from my sin. The Bible calls that being sanctified. And some of you look at me and are like, you still got a ways to go. <laughs> he's not done with me. So if you want to improve your serve, you have to be others minded. You have to be ministry focused. Don't forget we have to be gospel-oriented. That it's all centered around what Jesus did on the cross for us. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you continue to work in my life. I'm so glad that the gospel still pertains to me. That you're saving me from my sin. That, that you're making me into the image of your son. And God, today I pray that if there's anyone here who's not come to faith in Christ, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would just draw them to you. Maybe for the first time they've seen the need for you, the need for Christ because of their sin, and, and they've seen the provision, God, that you've made through Jesus on the cross. And, and maybe, maybe today's the day that they just come to faith in Christ and just say, I, I believe, I know Jesus is what I need and I trust in him. God, for those of us who did that years ago, God, I pray that, that you would never let us forget what you've saved us from. God, I think back and I just remember the emptiness, the, the loneliness. And, and for me, it was at night when, when right before I drifted off to sleep, I just... I, I, I knew that, that there was something I was missing and I didn't have a clue what it was. I tried things that didn't work. Don't let us forget what you've saved us from. But God, don't let us forget what you've saved us for. That, that now that you've redeemed me, I'm purchased. I'm not my own. I belong to you. And, and God, this brief little life, even though sometimes it doesn't seem so brief, but this brief little life is yours, not mine. God, I pray that you'd adjust my thinking so that I'd never forget that. Lord, also help us to remember what you've called us to. That, that not only did you save us from our sin, and God, that we don't belong to ourselves, but you have a purpose for us here, and we're here to serve you. And God, there's so many that are in the same state that we were dead in our sin, lost and alone. God, they need to hear the good news that Jesus came to save them from their sin. And you've chosen to do that through us for some reason we may never understand. But I pray that you'd help us to be faithful and obedient. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.